0: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang.
1: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our... Our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute. And today we're talking to Barnabas Piper. Barnabas is the assistant pastor at Emmanuel Church in Nashville and co hosts the Happy Rant podcast with Ted Cluck and Ronnie Martin. Barnabas is the author of several books, including The Happy Rant, which he wrote with Ted and Ronnie, and The Pastor's Kid What It's Like and How to Help. His latest book is Belong Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. But before we talk to Barnabas, we want to remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, leave us a review. Now, let's go to Ed Stetzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the incoming dean at Talbot School of Theology. You're still not used
2: to saying that, are you? It, so, I'm yeah, trying to I'm, let I'm it not roll not off my list. i, I got to go buy a house, hopefully soon, and live in sunshine. So, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. I'm going to miss you.
1: We'll keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
2: we guess you're true, we'll do the podcast, but you'll be in the cold in January and I'll be. be outside in the sunshine. But anyway, that's another story from the day. I used to live, fun fact, I used to live within... Uh, you can, as the crow flies, you could like throw a rock, I've mixed metaphors, but you could throw a rock and hit a Barnabas Piper. Now I didn't try to throw a rock and hit Barnabas Piper, but I often joked about I could have him over for dinner and I never did. I felt guilty, but not so guilty anyway. So here's a fun fact though. So you walk into my office right now, we go back to the office, Daniel and I are office and right, right upstairs. You walk into my office, you look to the right and you will see five copies of a yellow book called the pastor's kid. I really liked Mm -hmm. the pastor's kid, gave the pastor's kid to my kids. Um, and have given it to other people. So I've got multiple copies still sitting there. We were actually going to have on, talk about the Happy Rant, the book and the podcast, but then this new book came out. So we dropped those other two guys, Ronnie Martin and Ted Kluck, who I'm sure are (laughs) fine people, but they're dead to us right now. So now we're focusing just maybe in the future, but we're focusing on uh, Barnabas Piper. The book is Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. And again, I I guess in a sense, we could think of uh, kind of another book on You Need to Be in Church, but it's much more than that. I found it helpful. I think you'll find it helpful. We're our audience is pastors and church leaders, but we got to define some terms to talk about how then we might ourselves live out the belong aspect and then lead congregations in that direction as well. So Barnabas, welcome to the podcast. What do you mean when you say belong and what kind of prompted you to write a book on the subject?
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, the the term "belong" it's it's one of those things that I think uh, it's it's sort of a ubiquitous term in the sense that it's something everybody resonates with. It's, a, it's sort of a gut level, but uh, it's hard to define. So we it's sort of a know it when you feel it kind of thing. Oh, I I feel a sense of belonging, including in church. You know, you walk into a church and it kind of checks all the boxes of teaching or mu- you know music or programs or whatever you're looking for but sometimes you do feel a sense of belonging. Often one doesn't. So my hope in, in the book and in, in uh, trying to give clarity to belonging was to define belonging two ways. One is there, there's the sense of belonging that is you belong in a place because it's right for you. This is what you're designed for, what, I, what you might call a moral sense of belonging. God made people for this, so they belong there. And then the other is the culture of the church, and this is the thing church leaders are really responsible for creating the culture of the church that makes it easy for people to belong, kind of no matter where they're coming from, coming out of a place of hurt or pain. Or you mentioned um, uh, the, the ideas of, of a disunity. There, there's a lot of people who are uh, skeptical of church. So how do we create a sense of belonging for people who are coming out of all of those contexts? So there's the cultural and the moral aspects of belonging, it, if, if we we're going to kind of summarize it
1: a lot of times people think of belonging in terms of transactional things like uh membership mm-hmm. uh, attendance and as a church leader sometimes it can kind of devolve to just you know tracking somebody's church membership or you know how often they're going to church uh, what what do you think what are some of the things that are keeping church leaders from actually like better thinking
0: or thinking better about belonging in the churches that they lead that's a yeah that's an interesting way to phrase that question and, and a challenging way to answer it um I think I think the things you listed are actually can, can be inhibitions to us. It's easier for church leaders to rely on metrics than it is on than it is to gauge the health of a culture, um, because that that's a hard thing to 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 put in numbers. So membership, attendance, um, you know, you 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 have kind of small small groups within the larger church. So whether that's discipleship groups or men's groups, women's groups. If you can gauge all of those things, you can say, well, this person really belongs to the church because they they attend regularly, they serve, et cetera. That's a lot easier to do than say, do we have a culture where somebody feels like they could expose their soul with whatever the thing is that that, that hurts the worst, that it, that they are ashamed of, that makes them feel distant from the Lord, those things that make the church uh, a home for the wounded and the weary, um you know that that reflect the heart of Christ when he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest does the church reflect that culture that's hard to put in a metric so the things that often keep church leaders from really investing in this or really understanding it is is that i think we lean too much on numbers and and programs not that there's anything morally wrong with those they they can just be a crutch that keep us from the, the less tangible, but even more significant aspects of, of culture.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the, I mean, you rightfully identified Daniel, I think the idea that when we say belong, we often mean church membership yet. Um, that's not often how it is expressed, right? So a person can join a church and, uh, even be a member of a church that they're not engaged in. Um, but belonging is in some ways not as clearly tangible, but you can sometimes feel it when people start referring to it, our church and what we do to Together and how we're in community, mm-hmm. all those are part of some of those markers that are only there. But but the reality is, I think I think we have to acknowledge that um, you know COVID had a pretty significant impact for a lot of people on lowering their sense of belonging to the church. Online community didn't create that. Now, depending on where you are, you know Illinois was a pretty strict state. Uh, you lived in Tennessee uh, and in Texas, you know they just didn't participate in the p- pandemic at all. So um, so. But, but, you know, you felt the shock of two relationships that was there and now is trying to rebuild. So, so, but there's an opportunity that's there, right? So now we can say, here's how we create a culture of belonging. So what steps can pastors and church leaders take to help create a culture uh, of belonging? And if you wouldn't mind, kind of touch on there where membership fits in. Because again, I'm I'm very, Mm very, very much think in terms of biblical regenerate church membership as being important. But that's not what we're talking about, but it could be a part of it. So so the big question yeah. is what steps can church leaders take to create a cultural belonging?
0: Yeah, the that and I mentioned I mentioned at the beginning that um anything that is cultural in a church has to start with the leaders. It's you know, the most invested church participant, church member um is kind of just a drop in the bucket when it comes to cultural change. Whereas whereas if if the pastoral team, the elder team, kind of whatever your church polity is, those who are at the leadership level begin to influence culture and take steps it the, the the trickle down effect of that is immense i would say the first things that that the pastors and the leaders must do is uh it it's basically make bold claims about where you intend to go in terms of your culture and then back them up so let me as an example one of the things that that was so resonant with me when i arrived at emmanuel where i now serve early on was uh, the call to worship, and I mentioned this in the in the preface of the book. But there's this there's this um, sort of liturgy that we use regularly. I think Ray Ortland, who is our founding pastor, took it from 10th Presbyterian in uh, in Pennsylvania, and James Boyce and, and modified it. But it it starts with "To all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort," and it goes through this. And it's basically an invitation to those who are are uh, disenfranchised or jaded which I felt at the time. And uh, and it gave me permission to then say, well, the church said it, will they live it out? Is this a place where weary people can then be find rest? And I found that when I when I got to know some of the leaders and they were very frank and they said, yeah, we don't need anything from you. You don't need to jump right in and do anything. You're coming from a place of woundedness. You're tired, just rest and receive. And when you're ready, and that could be six months, that could be a year, However long you need, when you're ready, throw yourself into this with health. Um, you know, the idea of who all who, to all who mourn and long for comfort, I was able to go in and say, these are some of the things that have been painful in my life and take the risk of being honest and have them not say, well, here's here's a therapeutic program. Here's seven books to read. Here's a, you know, let me plug you into this ministry, but rather just walk alongside me, walk in prayer so there was a gentleness in it. And so there's a there has to be a culture so uh, that backs up those claims of truth in the gospel truth in scripture but also a culture of safety meaning if somebody comes with something difficult they won't receive condemnation they will receive let's take that to the cross because it's already been dealt with there anyway so the, and then and then patience the idea of we will walk with you for as long as it takes and uh and and so you 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 run that sort of on a on a cycle where you have truth, you have safety, you have time and patience and it creates a context where belonging can begin to happen, especially for those who find it difficult and and then that gets trained into those who are leading small groups who are leading Sunday school classes who are leading kids ministry because it's the same premise across the board. so in terms of steps to take, I think that I think that's it I it's not they're not programmatic, start doing this, this, and this, as much as it is almost, you know, we we intend to be this kind of church, and then we will live this out, and then we will live it out at each level of the church. And then I think, Ed, you asked about where does membership... Yeah, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm intrigued, because I just think that for most yeah. people, belong, but I think what we've learned is that membership doesn't necessarily create that sense of belonging.
0: Yes, yeah, um, yeah, people can join a church w- without, I mean, it's... In many churches, joining is a very low barrier to get overs. So, you know, you, you barely even need to be known by anybody in the church to join, which means that formal membership and belonging might be miles apart. And then, of course, there are churches that don't have formal membership, but might have a really healthy culture. And so, so you you can very much belong without being a member. I think the ideal is for a church with formal membership. I, I think that's a pretty I think that's a significant part of ecclesiology. I believe in membership. Um, for a church that has membership, there is part of the membership preparation process, part of the getting people ready to be a member is walking them into that culture that says we we at this church, we treat one another this way in in, in order to reflect Christ. We respond to people this way so the culture is on the front end so the members know what they're getting into. They're seeing it from up front, they're experiencing it in community, and then they're being told it explicitly so that when they step into membership yes there's the expectation of service there's the expectation of giving there's the expectation of participation physical presence but also i'm going to participate in a gospel based culture of safety and patience relying on the holy spirit that that is reflective of of the uh, of the heart of christ
1: hmm. i'd like to ask you a, like a very like uh on the ground level question mm-hmm. part of this i mean you're you're in the trenches um as a as a pastor there and emmanuel um you may have heard this before i mean I, I know i have uh somebody's a part of the church for maybe a year or two or maybe even longer than that and then at some point you know they schedule a call with you and they will let know they want to leave because they say because I, I don't feel like i have a place of belonging anymore where i don't yeah. feel like i belong here anymore um Help pastors process that. Like, how would you process that question uh, or that
0: you know that that uh, that meeting? Because it happens more often than than not. Yeah, it's 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 one of those always unhappy conversations. I mean, it's they they can have a they can have a happy conclusion, but it, they're they're never ones that that are exciting to have. Um, I I would start by not by trying very hard not to put them on the spot, like not sort of a defend your position. I don't want to be defensive about the church. I'm well aware that my church and just about any church, uh, we could have dropped the ball. We could have created a context where people fall through the cracks. It happens, you know, people, people try hard to be part of a church and still don't feel that sense of belonging. And so I I don't want to be defensive, nor do I want to put them on the defensive, but, but I would love to hear from them and just ask, you know, what, how basically how have you engaged with the church what are some of the ways that you that you've invested you know if they're like well I'm there every sunday and that's it that gives me room to say well have you tried some of these smaller contexts have you taken a risk of of stepping into a small group and getting to know some people have you come to our men's gatherings our women's gatherings so because a lot of times people tap out without actually trying mm-hmm. sometimes and i would say it's fairly rare for people to take all the the positive steps of investment in a church community and still say it's not for me it happens but it's not it's not nearly as common and then and then i would say i would try to ask them like well what are you looking for what are you looking for in a church you know what what would give you the sense of belonging because i think if they can't articulate that they're going to be frustrated where they go next and i would happily tell them that not to say well you're doomed as much as Man, until you know what you're looking for, I think you're just going to get frustrated at the next place too because because it's intangible. So if you know, if you're looking for a particular kind of community that we don't offer, it might be smart for you to leave because there are churches who do things way better than we do in certain areas. Um and so I I would just kind of want to feel it out to get the to get the lay of the land and find out what what is the what is the pastoral direction they need. Some people need to be blessed on their way. Some people need to be encouraged to stay and invest more deeply. Some people you try to persuade to stay and they still peace out because they just, for whatever reason, they're done. And that, that, those are the ones that are the most disappointing and grieving. Um, but yeah, the thing that I wouldn't want to do is to moralize, um, attachment to my church. If you leave, you are in the wrong, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, as much as you really need to be part of a church, we would love to have you here, but if not here, is there anything I can do to help you find a place, give you some direction to a place where you can find a place of belonging? Because there are thousands of expressions of the local church. Be part of one of them, because because that's what the Lord has for us. So, you know, the, the the question that probably comes up for a
2: lot of people, probably not, maybe some, but probably not as overwhelming in our audience because it's pastors and church leaders, but with people they're walking with is it might be church hurt. Um and mm-hmm. Church hurt um, can come in lots, lots of forms, some forms that are quite terrible, some forms that are, might be my minor, but on that, that spectrum, back and forth. So but um, well, we want people to experience belonging, um, and I, I love the theme of the book. Again, the, the title of the book is, is uh, Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. But someone who's been wounded has a hard time doing that, and maybe that wound is in your church, and like you said, maybe connecting to another church and belonging there might be part of that journey. But how do you talk to that person about belonging who's been wounded by the church?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's two very different conversations. If they've been wounded by another church and they come to our church, right. that's, you know, there's that category. If they've been wounded in my church, um th- then there's there's probably repentance and restoration that needs to be initiated at the very least repentance and apology. They may feel like they need to leave. Um, But I would want them to leave having taken all the necessary steps to to have have mended wounds if the hurt happened on our side. Um, It is really common for people to come to our church having been hurt elsewhere. And one of the things I've learned and I'm sure other church leaders have experienced this is that when people say they've experienced church hurt, uh, that is that means so many things that it means nothing. Um, And not that it's not a real thing, but it means you need to figure out what do they mean by it? um somebody will claim church hurt because they told the 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 pastor they should stop singing this kind of song and they kept singing it and now they're hurt that's i'm sorry you just got disappointed because your expectations weren't met that's different than there were there were entrenched elders who were manipulative who who were running an agenda that was outside of something Christ like that's a real thing that happens and it really hurts people so i would want to hear the story and know is this somebody who might need you know, discipleship towards maturity in their expectations, which happens, or somebody who we simply say, give us a chance to show that we will love you. We will care for you. We will walk with you. You can ask any questions. If you're fearful or skeptical, please just come to us. We're not, we're not hiding anything. And, uh, and, and hopefully we can, we can earn your trust over as much time as it takes. And for some people that's relatively quick. And for some people it's years. I mean, we've had people at our church for two, three years before they finally say, okay, now I'm ready to get in a small group. Now I'm ready to, to kind of buy in. And that, that goes back to that uh, that patience piece that I was talking about earlier, that you just, we, we can't put a timeline on people that the Holy spirit hasn't you know signed off on because restoration is, is the spirit's business. And our job is to shepherd people and care for people, and sometimes it just takes a long time. So I, I do think there's also an area of clarity where we, as church leaders, we do have a responsibility and a right to point out where sometimes people claim hurt, where they were in the wrong, and and there are there are occasions when somebody says they're hurt, and in reality they're mad or they're mm. disappointed, and to say, hey, that. That wasn't sin against you. That was, you know, you, you mishandled that situation. There have been, there are rare occasions you send them back and you say, I, I think you need to go make things right. I think you left badly. Um. Sometimes it's just, hey, it, it, you, if you bring those expectations into this church, you might be disappointed again because, again, you can't hold us hostage with your desires. Right. Often, so we, we, we yeah. But we definitely acknowledge,
2: though, that would be, there would be situations where, where people are genuinely hurt and got kind of to yes. walk through that, and I think you kind of talk through some of the compassion that it would yeah. take to do that. But we're also, part of pastoring is to sort of walk through what what really is going on in those situations. Mm-hmm. So I think that
0: makes distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think if if and and all of this should be handled with gentleness. Like even if somebody needs yeah. correction, you're not you're not kicking them out of your church. You're just saying, hey, I, the sense that I'm getting is that there was unresolved conflict, and and that you might have participated in that. What needs to happen to resolve that? And 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 again, you're leaving it to the spirit to do the convicting, but you are pointing them in that direction. So it's all done with gentleness. But yeah, we there is especially with as much controversy and 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 uh, there's some ugliness at the church leadership level these days. There are a lot of genuinely hurt, genuinely jaded, and disappointed people who show up, and for them, it is patience, it's listening, and it is a it is a constant open door to the leaders in the church to say, hey, if there's anything you see that makes you uncomfortable, just come and ask. We are happy to talk through why, how. Listen to you, and and give you a chance to to trust us, and uh, and we want to earn your trust over time and give you as much time and space as you need.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's built into the uh to the to the tag in your book. I mean, loving your church by reflecting Christ to one another. I think those tension points are often like that's the moment where you you decide you know am I going to belong to to the people here by working through this tension, working through this hurt. And I feel like a lot of the willingness to work through tension, working through hurt has to be an expectation in the culture. So maybe a practical question is, you know, Barbara as you're working with churches. Like what do you see is the way that culture uh, churches are building cultures where they feel comfortable hand, uh, you know, working through tension, working through Mm -hmm. uh, the church hurt and saying this is the occasion where we actually get to apply Christ in our lives, like how do you how do you get to that culture?
0: The thing that stands out most to me about that is if you look at the if you look at the list of one another commands in Scripture, you know, love one another, bear with one another, forgive with forgive one another, uh, live in harmony with one another. the assumption that that the uh, the New Testament writers are making there is that there will be conflict. You don't need Mm -hmm. to forgive people who haven't hurt you. You don't need to bear with people who you like. That's good. You don't need to live in harmony with people who are easy to get along with. So the assumption is this is going to be difficult. This is going to be messy. And so the churches that exhibit this culture are those who are embodying the reality of unity in the church as like like what Ephesians talks about where, yes, we are one, but also this is not easy. Mm -hmm. We We are a fellowship of very different people very different ideologies very different all sorts of things except that we are one in christ and so we will bear with forgive love teach admonish encourage pray for etc and so those all of the one another commands um acknowledge the reality of, of difficulty and conflict and even pain they also all reflect the heart of christ because every single one of those is something that jesus did first. He did, he did every single one of those perfectly on behalf of his people. You know, He had to bear with his 12 disciples who were morons. He had to certainly do admonishing. He encouraged. He prayed for. He forgave. I mean, he's, he's the means of forgiveness. You look at all these things. And so you look at those, it's a picture of how we are to live. And it's also a picture of a perfect Christ. And so the churches that, that uh, just never lose sight of those things, are the ones who exhibit this culture. And, and that also means that these, it allows those churches then to fend off secondary agendas and secondary issues that often cause division. When things of second importance are moved to the top of the list, we divide over something that isn't Jesus. And yeah. that's, you know, and we lose that culture of safety, of healing, of, of compassion.
2: I was uh, doing a interview for this engaging culture series that I did. People can find it. It's uh I guess you can Google that, and it's, but I was talking to Albert Tate and it's part of the He Gets Us campaign. We were training mm-hmm. churches with the He Gets Us campaign and something we were actually talking about issues of race uh, yeah. at this particular part of the interview. And he said, one of the things we need is we need people to stay at the table, not get up and walk away, but to stay mm-hmm. at the table. And it really stuck with me, the importance of that staying at the table, because I think of the times when I was most beautifully engaged in the life of the church, it was actually with people that I had made it through conflict. Um yes. and that would be the beauty of my marriage. We made it through conflict, even my relationship with my kids or my extended family. We we walk through conflict. And yet, right now, I mean again, we with all the caveats that would be there about, you know, abusive situations and, and dangerous that mm-hmm. we, we have all the caveats. But at the end of the day, belonging takes an active participation and a desire to stay at the table, which I think is really key. So, so what then would I look for if I'm, you know, if I if I want to see some of the markers in our own church, right? Remember, pastors, church leaders, our audience. Mm-hmm. What are some of the markers I want to look for, and maybe even promote or facilitate or lead towards, so that people might say, "I belong to this church." I you mean, know, maybe maybe I'm at First Wesleyan. I'm at you know I'm at First Assembly, and I belong to this church. What 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 are we trying to hear?
0: to see from the people and how do we, and how we get there yeah i think i mean what what you were just talking about staying at the table is 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 one of those markers it stands out to me one of the things that that uh, that i have uh, that i have uh come to love is the reality of you can tell a real church by by the disparity or or the, i should say the the breadth of ideologies and and socioeconomic status and ethnicities in its walls if you look at a group of people and you go, it doesn't make any sense that they are close to one another, but they are, mm-hmm. th- that's evidence that there's genuine belonging in Christ because, because other, culturally they would be, if not enemies, at least just distant. They would live in different zip codes. Uh, so, so that, and and I don't just mean sort of diversity by number, but unity. Like you look around and you go, there's there's a a blue collar person and a white collar person confessing sin to one another encouraging one another and building one another up in Christ. Well, they don't belong in the same zip code except in Christ, they sure do. Um same thing across ethnic lines and so forth. So, so I think that's a piece of it. I think that a place where people and, and as a leader, this, you know, you have to you have to you have to kind of get a, get among the sheep to really know this, but is your church a place where people feel like they can come in and unburden themselves of the things that are the most costly to share out loud? Um, that are risky. And, and, and we all know what this means because we know what it's like to be at a church where it does not feel safe to say, Hey, I have been through this. I struggle with this. I have failed in this way because it, you know, you're going to, you're going to face a bad response. So is your church the kind of place amongst the membership and amongst the leadership where somebody can come in and say, I failed in this way and know that while while we don't look at that sin as okay we will absolutely walk with them towards repentance and restoration there's a there's a there's a, a welcoming of that as we take it to Christ um i think real practically joy joy is an aspect of it nobody wants to belong to a place that that's boring or that that is that is lifeless so if There's a very real sense of, you know, when your church service ends and you look out there and and you end up having to sort of shoo people out of the church building after 45 minutes, an hour. The Lord is doing a great thing in the sense of belonging because people are lingering, they wanting to bond or if they they're leaving in groups to go to meals here, go to that house there. So there's there's a sense of, of joy in the fellowship of it. And then I'd say the last thing is what is happening that's out of sight. And so this is one of those, you know, get to know your small group leaders, get to know your Sunday school teachers, you know, whatever your contexts are, they're smaller, so that you you find out the the miracles that the Lord is working in, in in the homes as people pray together, as people walk through life's difficult circumstances together. Because again, Most of church life happens outside of Sunday mornings. So what is the belonging that is available to people on Thursday evenings in someone's living room or Tuesday mornings at a coffee shop as they get together with folks? What is the Lord doing in those contexts?
1: You know, I'm I'm thinking through this through a generational lens. And, uh, you know, if you're a boomer or uh, grew up in church uh, and you're, you know, of a certain age. You know, you're you're a Baptist, so you're going to look for the Baptist church, or you're a Methodist, and you're going to look for the Methodist church, and maybe you know exers and and older millennials, non-denominational churches. You're going to go to the church that appeals to you the most, and and and, uh, and maybe not look at tradition as much. But I think about like the transient nature of this emerging generation, current generation, and how it's. Uh, you know, in work, you see this, uh, in other kinds of subscription-based or membership-based things, you see this, like there isn't this like long-term mentality. Um, I planted churches in urban spaces that were, were urban places that were very transient. Mm-hmm. And so you'd see people stick around maybe a year and a half, two years, three years at most. Um, these are hard environments, Barnabas, like how, how do we maintain a culture belonging in the midst of like very transient, uh, and I feel like that speed in which people turn around their, their commitment is going to be even faster, uh, with this next generation. What are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah. Transient contexts are, are really difficult. So our, our churches is, is, uh, we're a couple miles outside downtown Nashville and kind of bordering, um, an area where, where people are a little bit more permanent and in an area where there's a lot of yeah young professionals who are getting out of school, getting into their careers, we get two to three years and then they have to take a job elsewhere and and what we encourage people to do, and and I think I think any church should do this is, uh, if if you feel safe, and again, there's always that tension of some people need a lot of time, other people are like, where's the deep end? I want a cannonball in, and mm-hmm. uh, it's so basically, if you feel like like you want to be part of this church, go for the cannonball because two years of belonging at a church might shape the rest of your life, but dipping your toes in the shallow end for two years is it, it's just. It, you will not thrive. It's basically, you're basically separating yourself from the fellowship under the idea of someday I will be in a context when I can really invest. And the thing that I've seen is, you know, if you get, if you, especially, especially younger, you know, just like post college, young professionals have so much to offer a church, energy, life, they, they, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of energy passion. There's also just capacity. You know, if you're 27 and don't have kids, you have way more capacity than those of us who are 40 and do have kids. So you can serve differently. You can host differently. You can, you can be invested in people's lives differently. So from a church leader perspective, I think we basically just say, yeah, go all in, go all in for the time that you have. You know, uh, we have, we have people who are in the army, you know, they, they drive down from Fort Campbell, which is a, which is a, quite a drive to Nashville but they'll do it anyway. They don't know when they're here for. They might be here for 10 months, they might be here for 4 years and still we say as long as you're here, we would love for you to be part of this and they make they make a profound difference to the church. I think that's the other piece is oftentimes we 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 sell membership as if it's, you know, it's like a country club here are your benefits. I think what a lot of younger people need to hear is here's why you matter to the church you belonging here is great for you, but it's also great for us. You bring something to this church that adds life to the church so that so that it's worth it to them to do that for 18 months or two years or three years.
2: Last, last word. Um, pastors and church leaders, they want that. They want that sense of belonging. It relates to a sense of unity. How do those mm-hmm. things come together, uh, unity and belonging, and what exhortation would you have to pastors and church
0: leaders to build towards both I don't think you can have a genuine sense of belonging in a church without a, a, a healthy uh, foundation of unity in Christ. Um, because otherwise, what is somebody belonging to? It seems to me that that there are sort of two versions of false unity the church often leans into. One is unity by, by defining ourselves by what we are against. You know, we are opposed to this thing, so we're going to be unified around that. And the fact is that that's a pretty shallow temporal unity, you know. If I change my opinion, I'm out. If I don't agree with you in the first place, I'm out. If uh, if the issues change, we no longer matter. The other version is false unity of niceness. We sort of we assume unity because everybody pretends to get along. Uh, maybe this is a Southern thing, but uh, I lived in Wheaton for a long time. I think it's a Wheaton thing too. So um, there's a lot in common between American South and Wheaton. Just so yeah, you know. the only you thing the biggest difference is the accent and uh, and maybe the, and maybe the guns. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you have this facade of unity, but that can't stand up to anything. It can't stand up to conflict. It can't stand up to pain or suffering. So you have to have unity where we say Jesus first, Jesus always, and everything else will be dealt with in accordance with that. And so, that Because that also present, that provides the context where somebody who is hurting, who is jaded, can come in and go, okay, this church isn't going to get politically weird on me. This church isn't going to get socially weird on me. This church isn't going to get economically weird on me because it's about Christ. I'm not going to get hurt. There's not going to be an agenda, and the unity has to be there. And uh, if Ephesians is fresh on my mind because we're preaching through it as a church, but also it has... The first half of Ephesians is so much about unity in the church because of Christ, you know, in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, we are one new man. And, and so that, that has to be the thing that is central for belonging to be possible. If you start with, we just want to be the nicest church possible so people can belong, they're going to get in and they're going to find a bunch of ugly on the back end. If you start with, we're unified in Christ and we're going to reflect that, then when people come in, no matter how kind of sloppy your programs are, they're going to go, but I love the heart of this place.
1: I love the heart of these people. You've been listening to Barnabas Piper talk about his newest book, Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. We want to encourage you to grab yourself a copy. Thanks again for listening to the Sessor Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation helpful today, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders Find us and benefit from our content. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.